In today's episode, we interview PJ Black, professional wrestler, professional skydiver, professional base jumper. We like to bring people onto the podcast who explore different types of beliefs that challenge the social constructs and have a civil discussion on the facts and logic of their beliefs. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We go over a number of different areas, number of different ideas, and we really think that you'll learn a lot. Welcome to the Let's Fucking Grow podcast, the podcast that your brain craves. Give me a hell yeah, hell yeah. Now, get ready to stimulate your mind. Who the fuck are um, you? My name is PJ Black, born and raised in South Africa. Um, most people actually know me as Justin Gabriel from the WWE. And that is what moved me to the US. They moved me to the US 10 years ago. Before that, I lived in London, England for five years. I was in Edinburgh for a few years. I was in Johannesburg for five years, Cape Town for five years. And now I'm in Los Angeles. <laughs> so I kind of want to, because I actually don't know this, uh, but you started in South Africa. How did you get into wrestling? Or did you even, did you even want to move to the US? I did actually. Uh, when I was eight years old, I decided that I was going to be a pro wrestler and I dedicated my whole life to that. Um, but even my friends and family told me it wasn't possible because no one from Africa has ever made it. And I was like, perfect, I'll be the first. And then you know how people's mindset is like, no, no one's ever made it. So what plan are you going to follow? Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to make the blueprint. I'm going to be the first. And that really upset people. Even my mom, she didn't really believe in me until she saw me perform live for the very first time in front of 90,000 people. So. Now she's the biggest fan ever. So a lot of people listening to this podcast, a lot of people around the world are big fans of wrestling, but when did you know that you had what it took to be at the most elite level? Was there something that clicked? Did someone tell you something? Was it just, how did that happen? Oh, that's a great question. So I decided when I was eight years old, that's what I wanted to do. And when I was 16, um, you know, my, my dad was a wrestler and he owned a wrestling promotion and a, a sports agency. So I started working for it when I was young and, uh, you know, I just, I fell in love with it all over again, you know, working close in the business. Um, so I start I, when I was 16, I turned pro and there was a law in South Africa where you, you had to be 18 to turn professional. So faked yeah. some papers, wrestled in a mask, had like a, a, a fake wig on so no one would know it was me. I couldn't tell kids at school that it was me. Kind of wow. like, like a Batman. <laughs> in a way, <laughs> to rock up at school on Monday with like oil and glitter on me and face paint and kids were like, what were you doing? I was like, ah, oh, you know, I was just busy. You know, like strippers and stuff, right? Like <laughs> kids were like, can you come to my party this weekend? I'm like, ah, oh, sorry, I'm busy. Um, and then oh, my dad got shot when I was 18. Um, and it took me years to process that I everyone expected me to take over the company but I was I was an 18 year old kid you know so I packed a backpack and I started soul searching started traveling through Europe and that's where my my journey started you know I didn't want anything to do with wrestling I didn't want anything to do with anything with anybody um, my family's still mad about that um, after a few years I was like I better get some education or do something so I went to college got my degree nutrition is my passion I got a master's um, but then I walked into a wrestling show one day and I saw AJ Styles wrestle Johnny Storm. And if, if you watch wrestling, you'll probably know those names. And I was just hooked all over again. Next day, started training and um, gave myself five years. And I was like, I'm going to put all the energy I have. I'm going to study tapes. I'm going to work on character development stuff, um, get a job in the gym so I can start working out every single day. Just, you know, just worked on my craft, read as many books as possible. And then... Um, 
I was like, okay, five years, I'll, I'll give myself. If I don't make it, I'll move on. It took about three years to the day and I, got, I signed a massive contract. It took them about another year to get my green card to move to the US, but I mean, it was all worth it. Totally, totally worth it. So two things. One is, holy shit, you went through a lot by the time you were 18. Like when we're 18, we're thinking about just going to college and partying. Right. But you're thinking you've turned pro, you had to hide this thing from your friends, you had your, the situation with your dad, you set goals for yourself. And one thing I always think about is, okay, so you signed the WWE contract. What was that first day walking into the, was, I don't know, was it the Performance Center? Or was it back then, I don't know what it was. Yeah, right before it was the Performance Center, it was still FCW, Florida Championship Wrestling, right before it moved to um, NXT or the Performance Center. Yeah. I was in that transition, actually. Um, and it was... I was only there for a year, and some people can spend up to five, six years there sometimes. I was very lucky being at the right place at the right time. Um, it was probably the most fun time in my life, if I think about it now, because it was 10 months, foreign country. I didn't have bills to pay. I didn't have a car. I didn't even have a phone. Like I had someone pick me up every day, would go to the gym, go to the show, go to the gym, go to the show. And that was my life for 10 months. I was like, I'm getting paid to play with my friends. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> it, was a, it was a fun time. And then, uh, sorry, because I'm a huge fan I know, of you're, you're going to keep so going. I, so I, I have some questions, and I, I've seen your, some of your performances, and they're awesome. And you have this really strong brand that you present, and, I'm, and that's what's on your hat, actually, right? Yep, yep. Uh, so uh, I, I saw that, and I saw you perform, and it's obviously a slightly different than who you are as a person, right? How do you, one, turn that brand on, and how did you develop that brand, and... Uh, is it hard being in that character? For, for some people it is. Um, for me it's cool because I think in real life I'm a, I'm a super nice guy, right? So, and I play the bad guy on TV, so that's my balance. It's, it's funny how that works because like, the guys who are bad people in real life, they struggle to play bad people on TV. Sometimes, not always. There's always exceptions to every rule. But for me, I, just, I, I love playing the bad guy. I love like, working people up, getting an emotional response out of it, right? It's like, because it's a mix between, wrestling is a mix between theater and, my dad used to call it a stuntman's ballet. Mm -hmm. You know, like people, you know, we went through the era where everyone's like, oh, it's fake, it's fake. I'm like, sure, it's, it's predetermined, but I'm still getting hurt. Like I've been injured so many times and you know, people get crazy concussions in, in my industry. Um, so yes, for, for me, it, it, it comes a little bit easy and it's fun. Um, and I love turning it on, like when the music hits, so, you know, you said that you, a lot of people get injured in wrestling. And I know that growing up, I had this idea like, wow, this is amazing. And then, like, my dad, like, broke the news to me. He's like, oh, it's fake. And like, oh, fuck, dude. Like, that's, that sucks a little bit. And, you know, so there is a portion of recovery that is associated, right? You're not going to throw someone off something. You're not going to land on the, the mat really hard and not feel something. How did you get injured? What did you do? How did that lead you down the road of recovery? Oh, that's funny. Um, so... I've been injured a few times in wrestling, but I've been one of the lucky ones. Usually, a lifespan of a wrestler is like five years. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this for 23 years, and I've only probably been hurt maybe two or three times. But I have been hurt seriously in my life, and that, that was in base jumping. I hit a building, and I broke both my legs twice. Um, doctors told me I'll never be able to walk again, probably never wrestle again. Or no, the other way around, sorry. Um, and I, right there, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna prove all these guys wrong. And I just started reading books on alternative medicine and holistic healing. Because when I was in the hospital, they gave me a handful of pills, painkillers like that. And at the time, I already had a pill problem. And uh, I lost a lot of friends to opiates, a lot. And I was like, I'm going to die if I take this. So, you know, I started reading up on 
holistic medicine, alternative healing, got into biohacking, you know, tried everything. Um, that's how I discovered CBD and cannabis eventually, never tried that before. Uh, it's helped me tremendously in my life, um, even just being creative and stuff like that. And it was, a, it was a massive long journey. I documented the whole thing actually, and very soon the documentary should be out of my, my whole recovery process. So I'm actually looking forward to that. I look completely different because I was in a wheelchair for 10 months. So can you imagine like chest hair was like this, like I was just like skinny and pale. My hair was like Afro like this. <laughs> and I actually met my girlfriend at that time. So now I know she really loves me because she met me at my worst. You're like, wow, babe, you, you really fell for me back then? <laughs> so what's the name of this documentary gonna be? We, we'd love to post that in the, the description below as well. I don't have a name for it yet. And um, just, you, you guys can check out my social media pages. I have a YouTube channel, my Instagram, I'm really uh, active on it's pj450 i'll post everything on there um, and it's probably going to take a while because i have like 20 gigs of footage to get through wow. and uh in the beginning i tried editing everything myself because while i was in the wheelchair i was like oh might as well start learning something so i taught myself how to edit and do graphics and stuff like that but it just it takes forever it takes forever so i'm gonna hire someone to finish it for me yeah, <laughs> Now what, because you said that you studied nutrition, that was your passion, was that before you got into wrestling? Or during? Yeah, from a, from a young age. Um, when I um, went to school, I, I, I was a personal trainer for five years and I had to do all these extra uh, diplomas, I guess, if you will. Sorry, my English is my second language. <laughs> and uh, I had to do nutrition and um, sports massage. And I think it was, I forgot what it was. But anyway, I just, I just fell in love with nutrition, especially sports nutrition. And, and then sup, it started off with supplements, like most guys, you know, you get hooked in the gym, supplements, and then I, I just went deep into it. And, and it, it's such a fascinating world and it blows my mind how little people know about it. And that's exactly why, why I wanted to bring this up was because after all the injuries you've had, what are some of the things that you learned after being injured compared to before? Like, did, it, did nutrition transition over very well or were you like, holy shit, I didn't learn it in school because I know you went into the holistic field a lot. Yes, a great question. Uh, I, I really didn't know what I was doing in nutrition, you know, because I, I was one of those guys who, growing up in South Africa, we didn't have a lot of literature on this stuff. Like, you know, in the, in the early 90s, there wasn't even internet yet. So I used to read these bodybuilding, the Flex magazine, <laughs> and realized later, because when I saw, years later, I saw the same articles and then the same covers, they just switch around wording. And I was like, wait a minute, mm. that's kind of weird. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> and then I started researching and I was like, oh wow, this is all bullshit. <laughs> just trying to make money. And that's why I studied it further, you know, and, I, and I'm, I learned a lot of things just by talking to nutritionists, different doctors, realized that doctors don't know anything about nutrition, which is not their, their fault, it's the system's fault. You ask doctors, they don't really have to go through a lot of nutritional courses, nope, which is such an issue, but they could go through like some pharmacology courses, and that's, that's a larger issue with society. That's where the money's at. They don't get paid to sell you lettuce, they get paid to sell you pills. Right. Exactly. It's a business. They don't care about your health, they care about the money. And that's very unfortunate, you know? Like, I went the other way. Like, I, I'm trying to teach people the holistic way. Like, but unfortunately, in this country, like, you can't get certified for it and be like a holistic doctor. Or well, maybe there is, but yeah, uh, actually, you yeah, can? Yeah, okay, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, cool. But people don't take those guys seriously. No, not at all. <laughs> and, and so, actually, you, you bring up a really good point because a lot of people don't really trust holistic medicine, but only trust Western medicine, I think that there's a middle ground. Totally. You know, I, th I think that like, yes, you know, there's sports nutrition, there's actual antibiotics that work, but then there's also like Eastern medicine that also works. How, how do you utilize all three of those in conjunction or do you even? We do, we, we actually, we have a quote, we, we say, 
East meets West is best. So you got to combine all those, you know, because there's some great stuff in Western medicine, some fantastic stuff. And then the Eastern stuff, a lot of people don't understand. And it's like anything, right? Like even like religion, if you don't understand it, if anything contradicts your belief system, you're the devil. You, exactly, <laughs> you want to fight that person. And in nutrition, it's very much the same. And again, it's shocking. I don't know why don't they don't teach kids this in school from a young age. It's, it's so important. Like, I mean, it's the food is life, right? Like, and just simple things like like uh, hydration. Like many people don't realize, like hey, you got to drink water. Like our bodies are mostly water. The planet is mostly water. That's why the moon has effects on all this stuff. Like people. People kind of, they read the star, you know, the astrology stuff. They're like, oh, the stars have an effect on us. But do you know, do you understand the biology? Do you know how that works? That's, that's two things. One of what you said is exactly right. You don't study nutrition. And the other thing that we don't study is finance in school. So you spend all your life eating and trying to earn money, but you don't learn any of those two things in the school system. Right. It's insane. They don't teach you how to get a mortgage or like do your taxes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Any of the important stuff. Uh, going back to wrestling, because I always think this is fascinating, because you, you are, to be a wrestler, you have to be an insane athlete, you have to be a great marketer, you have to market yourself, and you have to be an actor, you have to read your promos and your scripts and your lines, but how did you start doing your promos? Did you have like, so if, if people out there aren't, don't know what a promo is, basically, it's where you, you, basically you're an actor reading a script, but you're making it up as you go, so if you have a match with someone, you have to hype that match up, there's the back and forth that happens, that's basically what a promo is. But uh, how did you, did you do it like in the mirror? Did you say, okay, who am I gonna be? Did you have a teacher for that? That was actually one of my weak points growing up because I was always the athletic kid, right? So I was just in there to do the athletic stuff and make other people look good. So sometimes your gift is actually your curse. <laughs> mm -hmm. The guys who make the most money in wrestling are the talkers, the promo guys like Hulk Hogan, The Rock, those guys, you know? So it was one of my weak points, but like later in life, I was like, yo, I better start practicing this because if I want to start making money and, you know, get to the next level. And I tried everything. I tried the mirror stuff. I tried getting an acting coach. I tried getting a sports psychologist, you know, like I took all the steps and like nothing clicked for me, nothing clicked for me. And then I tried to memorize because I'm not a trained actor, right? So when you're trying to memorize lines, people can tell subconsciously, they can tell, like you can know when an actor is bad. For example, there's um, Scott Steiner. Uh, he's doing a promo. And you could see his brother, Rick Steiner, next to him. And subconsciously, he's mouthing the promo. He's mouthing the words when his brother's saying it. And that makes it worse. That makes it way worse. Because I've tried that. I've tried like having little notes or little cues. And it doesn't work because people can see that. And for some people, it does work. Some people can memorize a paragraph in like 10 minutes. And some people, you have to find the system that works for you, just like in anything in life, just like in nutrition too. Because what works for some people doesn't work for other people. So for me, I... Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but in a, in a match too, there's a structure, it's like a movie, you know, you get the act one, act two, act three. So I kind of just based everything on that because Vince McMahon said this to me every single day. He says, a promo is a match and a match is a promo. So I'm like, oh wow, that makes sense for the first time in my life. So you just structure it that way, you know? And uh, like The Rock is a perfect example. He has the, these, these catchphrases, you know? So when yeah. he gets stuck, he can just go to one of those, you know? <laughs> Call your jabroni if he, get, if he gets in trouble. And right? Everyone cheers. If you and... smell. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I just tried a bunch of different stuff. And now that I live in LA, I have a bunch of active friends who help me out with this stuff. And uh, I feel like it's, it's becoming my strong point very slowly. That's awesome. So dude, you have a extraordinary life. Like, you know, you, first off, I don't, if you were to write a business card, I don't even know all your credentials would be able to fit on that business card. <laughs> Thank God they have Instagram so you can like list everything. Uh, but uh, something that 
interested me because I went skydiving once. I know that's a very rookie thing, but it was fucking mind blowing, right? It was in- insane. How the hell did you become a skydiver that then turn into base jumping, or was it base jumping and skydiving? And does that help your mindset? How does that affect you as a person? It does. So people think that skydivers or base jumpers are just yahoos who are just adrenaline junkies who try to jump off stuff and out of planes and stuff like that. For me, it's, it's a meditation because uh, think about this. I'm standing on the edge of this mountain. I'm about to jump. I can hear myself breathe. It's like you can hear your heart race. You don't think of anything. You don't think of bills you have to pay or stuff you have to do or things you, have to for you forgot to do. Or, problems in your family or whatever it is like you completely present in that moment and that's what meditation is being completely present in that moment it's theta, theta brainwaves right? right so once i discovered that i was like wow and then that's actually when i started meditating too i started to learn to meditate and uh, that changed my life completely that's one of the coolest things i've ever done and i wish i learned that when i was a child like i wish they would teach kids that but uh, so yeah, so skydiving, I really just wanted to do the one jump and get the Instagram picture. Right. And then I got hooked. I just got mm. instantly got hooked, started jumping. Um, I, I think I was injured wrestling at that time. So I had like three months off. So I just, I took a bunch of money and uh, I did like 300 jumping. in like three months. Wow. No just, way. Got my certificate. So you have licenses, right? So A license, you can jump with, with anybody. B license, you can jump at night. Uh, I could land in water, stuff like that. I'm a D, I have a D license, which is the highest there is. Uh, and then I became a coach. I, I started teaching people and I became an instructor. All those uh, expired because I never use them. <laughs> but I have the ability to teach people. And then it takes about 200 skydives before you can learn how to wingsuit. And then about another 200 jumps before you can start base jumping. Yeah, wingsuiting is no yeah, joke. What, what was that first yeah. time? Jumping out with the wingsuit. It was crazy because it's scary because it's literally like being in a straitjacket, you know, like you don't have the freedom. You can't like wave and like, you know, pull the parachute. So you have to you have to learn completely a new structure. And you start with a really small suit. It feels like a really small straitjacket and you jump out and you're like, whoa, what the hell? And then they teach you how to pull and then you kind of you take a couple of hundred jumps, you progress and you get like the bigger suits, you know, like a, I have the Ferrari of wingsuits right mm -hmm. now. So the fast one I get, I get three to one glide ratio on this. So what that means is, for every meter that I fall down, I get three meters forward drive. So for every um, 40 miles an hour down, I get 120 miles an hour forward drive. Oof. So when you when you did the tandem, you probably fell, I think it's 125 miles. How did I went alone? <laughs> <laughs> alone tandem. 120 miles an hour, just, just yeah. falling straight down to earth, you know? So with a wingsuit, we get the forward drive because the, the air vents, they, they, they fill up and it's a, it's a completely different sport and it's the most amazing. <laughs> But and so that first time that you jump with the wingsuit, you you can't do it tandem, right? You got to no. do it alone. No, or? you do it alone, and you go through training just like we, when you get your license to your A license, right? It's like a six seven hour training course, like like, like what pilots go through. Mm -hmm. um, and then the wingsuit thing to it that took like two three four hours, and I was like, let's just go jump because this is just making me nervous. And then the first three jumps, you're like, no, this is too hard. Like I I have so many friends who quit after three jumps. They're like, mm -hmm. this is too hard, and I just I stuck with it, and I was like. This is the best. This is the greatest thing ever. Because yeah, once you fly through the clouds or around the clouds, I remember like seeing my friend's face and I flew around the cloud and I landed for when I did the first time. And I just started screaming. I was like, this is amazing. I know why birds flock. I know why birds flock. <laughs> yeah, so I would think, what I always think of is how many people around the world are doing this? And I would guesstimate that a fraction of a fraction of 1% of people are a professional 
base jumper, professional, Skydiver. everything. Yeah. So just knowing that, I'd feel pretty good about myself. And I think the second thing that, that, that you touched on is really telling is that in life you have so many stresses, so many things you can't control. I, I just think that to be up there, you ha- kind of have to let everything go and just relax and let everything that you know take over. So I think that would be really good for a lot of people who are always stressed out about little problems in life. It's like, hey, man. Forced meditation. Right. Yeah, Forced exactly meditation. what you said. Like, you can't help the situation outside. You can only help what you're doing at that moment and be peace and calm. Yeah, to your point, Fabian, like, that's, that's, it was one of, it was a profound experience for me, right? Like, it was something that, you you're nervous. You jump out of the plane. I know that you you're, you're laughing after doing you know hundreds <laughs> if not thousands of jumps, and you you jump out and you're so discombobulated. Your brain doesn't know how it's doing what it's doing. How are you flying through the air? And then you start to like relax a little bit, and you're just overcome with this like endorphin rush, and you're like, holy shit! Like everything feels fucking peaceful, yeah, and perfect. And I think that's awesome, and I highly suggest you to go skydiving. Now, I, there's obviously risks associated with it, and, mo- and I've asked people to go all the time, and no one's willing. No one's willing, and they just get they're like they're always like, "Yeah, let's go," and then what ends up happening? They're always like, "Ah, oh, I can't for some <laughs> bullshit reason." You know, would you suggest that people go skydive? I, I would, even if you just do it once, and even if you're scared. Um you hear the most often you hear like, oh, I'm afraid of heights. Okay, but you, you go on a plane all the time to fly somewhere, right? So that's not the fear of heights. People don't understand what the fear of heights is. The fear of heights is when you stand over an edge and you look over and you get that vertigo feeling, right? That's fear of heights. When you're in a plane, you look down, you don't get scared, you don't get that feeling. Another thing is people go like, oh, I don't like that feeling, you know? Everyone likes roller coasters, come on. But it's not like a roller coaster. That's the thing. People, people think you get that feeling. I hate that feeling. Like, I like, it. when you fall, you just, you just fall. It's like flying. I think it takes I think it takes 10 seconds to get to terminal velocity. Once you hit terminal velocity, your speed doesn't change unless you change your body direction, right? And then you fall, I think it's a thousand feet every five seconds. And then once you hit terminal velocity, that's when the that when you said that when you felt that feeling yeah. was after 10 seconds and it's just bliss. Just like just look around, everything's quiet, everything almost feels like slow motion. Uh one one question I've, I've been thinking about when you've been talking about this because I follow a lot of extreme sport people like Alex I love Alex Han Holder does a free soloing and stuff but oh he's the best so the first few times that you do this I'm sure the adrenaline is still like I mean it's rushing and I know a lot of base jumpers and things like that that have died from pushing the envelope mm-hmm. does it get to a point where it's no longer like as endorphin filling as it was when you first started or is it the same no it gets better every time oh it gets what? better better like every jump gets better because every time you learn something new mm. you, you 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 know because in the i'm good at doing like backflips and like some parkour stuff and in the ring if you see my stuff but in the sky i was like oh cool i have all this i have two minutes of free fall i can do all these backflips but it's it's in reverse so you know when you do a backflip standing you tuck your chin that way and your body will just follow right if you do that in the sky, you'll go forward. So everything's in reverse. So you gotta like teach yourself how to do everything in reverse. So I got to do a backflip, I gotta do this and push my legs out and then the wind will take you to a backflip. Interesting. So you gotta, it's almost like retraining your brain. Now we have these indoor skydiving tunnels so we can train. And you know how kids pick up things like really quick. I think the, the, the world champion right now is like a 12 year old girl. Wow. Because kids can just pick it up like so quickly. You know, they, they learn like they're like sponges. Because 
for the first seven years of their life, they're in theta brainwaves. When you're in theta brainwaves, you download shit from the universe or you learn stuff, you're like a sponge, right? And that's kind of what meditation is too. You put yourself in theta brainwaves, so you go into the metaphysical world and you, you uh, and time doesn't exist in the quantum field, right? Because all time happens simultaneously. That's why sometimes you go into a meditation and you come out and you're like, whoa, an hour has gone by or two hours has gone by. So that's, that's theta. So when you get yourself in theta, and a lot of athletes that are really good at sports, they, some of them subconsciously, some of them consciously put themselves in theta. One of my best friends is a Formula 3 race car driver. Super talented guy. He's one of my business partners now. I, I have to put him over. He, uh, he he sits in the car and he can put himself into theta immediately. Like sometimes it'll, it'll take me, sometimes I can get there immediately, sometimes it takes 20, 30 minutes. He puts himself, because those guys, they, they cannot react on the turn, right? It happens too quick, so they have to know everything. So he puts himself in theta, he sits in his car, studies the whole course, and then right before the light hits, his coach will tap him on the shoulder and he'll put himself into alpha and he's just in the zone. And, you know, like I respect people like that. People don't realize um, like uh, those kind of sports, like the race car drivers and the motocross guys, how good their pro proprioception skills are. It's all neurological, right? Like, yeah. uh, and, and something, Motor skills. Yeah, it's really incredible. And if you've never learned about brainwave activity or uh, even looked at neurofeedback, have you heard of neurofeedback? A little bit, yeah. So, on it. Um, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about this after, but uh, neurofeedback is ultimately a, it can be used as a psychological tool, but it could also be used as a uh, executive functioning tool to really allow yourself to put yourself into theta, alpha, beta, even, or even gamma, right? Which is in, insanity. And they could be used to, to help with a bunch of different things. I'll put a link in below just to show you a little bit about what it is and you know how, how cool it, it can be to, and how it can change your life. So I know that you're, you, you started talking about you know biohacking. Does that also incur, in, include like neurohacking? Does that include uh, supplementation, uh, meditation? What, what does that include? Everything, everything. Can you explain to anyone listening what biohacking is in case they don't have an idea? Yeah, so biohacking is biology hacking. So you're just basically... I wouldn't call it shortcuts. You're hacking the, the system, you know, like so you like by for instance stem cells. That's like the the talk of the town right now. Everyone's getting stem cells. And I had stem cells twice. And how stem cells work is you just you you have stem cells in your body. When you're young, you have more stem cells. You know, like when you got cut when you were young, immediately it'll just heal. You know, like you break a leg within two weeks, you're good to you go. You fall out of a tree, like brush yourself. I'd be like, I'm good. If I did that now, I'd like die. Like, right. <laughs> so the younger the stem cell is, the, the more healing power it has. So that's why it's still illegal in the US because when I got mine in, in, uh, in Mexico, it, was, it came from a teenage umbilical cord. Mm. So the younger it is, the, the, you know. So what a stem cell is, your, um, it's just a, a cell that doesn't have a function yet. So when your body needs it for repair, like for elasticity or collagen or uh, amino acids, it'll take that cell and, and put it wherever it needs to be. And um, that, that's, that's one of the, but I mean, biohacking goes so deep. It goes, like you said, it goes to nutrition, meditation, um, physical, mental, spiritual emotional it, it goes it goes super deep yeah and that's something i think people don't do is they don't spend time on themselves right and what i mean by that is they don't meditate they don't figure out what should i be eating they just kind of a lot of people not everybody they just go through life just figuring okay this is what i'm going to eat but without really thinking about why i'm doing what i'm doing and i think it's great for anyone listening to you like holy shit but do you think that you've accomplished what you have because of the mentality that you've had with your body, with nutrition, meditation, and all the all these different things. I think so. Mindset is a massive thing, but I only learned that very late in life. I think it 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 took my near death experience to which one? <laughs> the base jumping one. Okay. 
to to get to that next level i mean maybe when i was young subconsciously i did it by setting goals and like doing all these things but i don't really know what i was doing like now i wish i knew all this stuff now back then i mean i guess everyone can say that right and i think that's part of the human experience like everyone is on a different journey everyone you know have to discover the things that they have to discover they'll the universe will give give it to you at the right time i just wish that there was books on these things when i was young so i could learn it at a young age yeah oh coming back to your point there's some great books on the meditation stuff that is one called the zen athlete and then any book by dr joe dispenza this guy is phenomenal if go read his books he broke his back he was a doctor in so many places and as a doctor he knew he had to get the surgery and he was like no i'm going to fix myself with my mind and he actually goes around the world teaches people how to how to fix themselves with their minds like with no nutrition nothing he wrote the book it's called the placebo effect Everybody knows what the placebo effect is, right? Mm-hmm. It's like when you take a sugar pill and you think it, it works. So he went a step further. He goes, "Okay, so you know that's a what if you know that's a sugar pill and you can still get that that uh, that effect." Effect, exactly. Yeah. And he he's teaching people how to do that and he actually invented a machine, one of those EKG machines that you hook up on the brain and he can actually scientifically prove how meditation works, how it connects certain areas to the brain, how you raise your vibration and how you can actually heal yourself. People don't realize your body is a technology. I know my book is about biohacking and stuff like that, but I, I'm trying to teach people that your body is a technology. You can do anything anything like That's the problem with that's my biggest problem with society. They teach you what they want you to know. Like, you know, we we don't give kids free will to 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 follow their own dreams. We tell them like this is this is the uh I'll come back to that in a second. <laughs> wow, that's 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 fucking incredible. You know, biohacking sounds like something we need to do. Like I need to do that shit. Um and I I know that you probably have like a list of supplements that everybody should be taking. I'm sure you have things for like focus, for stress, Um I'm sure you're a probably big advocate of CBD and ayahuasca not ayahuasca uh, ashwagandha right maybe ayahuasca too I don't know man Both, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm sure they they're, they're drastically different But coming back to your point actually like the nutrition stuff I will give you guys some tips here Everyone's about these bodybuilding supplements and all this stuff that stuff just makes it worse Everyone goes hey what's the best diet and like so in my book I cover all these diets I do the blood test I show you exactly the science behind it how it works I'm a big advocate of the keto diet for various reasons you'll read I, I that'll take me hours to explain but there's no best diet or supplement out there. Totally. If you think about it you can eat veggies that are sprayed with pesticides and hormones it's unhealthy and then you can eat you know the saying you are what you eat the more accurate saying should be you are what you eat eats because think about it if you if you buy a, a chicken breast and that thing is filled with hormones and pesticides corn. and antibiotics yeah. and corn like GMOs and stuff that's what you're eating. Um so sorry coming back to again the best supplements you can take are adaptogens and these are things we just discovered in mushrooms uh magic mushrooms and non magic mushrooms ashwanda is not a mushroom but that's on, that's a superfood on top of the list uh, my stack i take every day and it's reishi mushrooms lion's mane chaga and cordyceps i will take those for every single day of my life especially for brain because um how i discovered this And that's why I started reading the quantum physics books and evolving the brain. I I got a concussion and I woke up in the hospital and I had blood all over my face and I had no idea how I got there. And I I watched the match back and I com- I completed the match. And that that scared me. And I was like, "Yo, how many of my friends have CTE? I don't know if you guys follow the CTE stuff of the football players. So many guys shoot themselves in the heart so they can donate their brain to be studied because they know there's something wrong with them." 
And uh, so that's how I got on that path. And I was like, mushrooms actually help with CTE, concussions, like, because what, how, these kids in in, um, in Silicon Valley, the kids that write the programs, they're the smartest kids in the world, they've been microdosing for years. Oh yeah, Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs, uh, uh, Richard Branson from Virgin, all the biggest oh. tech inventors, right, were all, all in that era, all a mushroom. Totally. So now that it's legal in two states, we can study this stuff. We have labs all over the country, and the stuff that we're finding is incredible. Like how. Um, you know, you have one trillion neurons in your brain firing, right? And so every time you learn something new, those fire and you, you're building new brain cells, you're evolving your brain. And what the mushrooms does is it makes that happen by itself. You don't have to learn anything, read a book or anything. It just happens. And uh, I think that's fa fascinating. Can you go in specifically about like, I don't want like a whole profile on each one, but like really cool to know about kind of at least lion's mane and some of the more known ones, mm -hmm. right? And the, what's the last one? The Cordyceps. That one, that one I heard is like, gives you like air, like it makes you uh, have better anaerobic exercise, mm -hmm. right? You're faster. It gives you like more mental clarity. Could you, could you just give us a little bit of that? Cause like, that's really valuable. For, yeah, everything you said and more, like everything you expect your bodybuilding supplements to do, you know? But for me, the most important thing is brain power. Cause mm -hmm. like, I, I think your brain is more important than anything else. It guides what your body does too. Exactly, and then the mushrooms, like it starts there. It fixes everything with the brain and then it'll go down and, and, and do what it needs to do. But the, yeah, those four are the main ones. Um, it's a still pretty new field. So I think there's like 120,000 different mushrooms in that. Now that it's legal, we can study these. Yeah, I think I think one big thing, and the next generation is going to experience this more than you know anyone else. Well, up, up until this time, was the effects of psychedelics and things like that. Because I remember just a few years ago, before it became legal in a few states, mm -hmm. there was a doctor who was on Joe Rogan. And he's like, "Yeah, I've been researching this. It's so hard to get money from the government to study this because it's a class A, I think, illegal substance, and it's natural." But well, we figured out that the left part of the brain talks to the right part of the brain, and it just completely changes things and um, up until now we've all been led to believe that things that humans make are what's good for us but now people with the internet and with wider studies are starting to figure out you know what the stuff we've had all along works just as well even better and it doesn't put any harm on our bodies so I kind of wish I mean my my brother's 18 years old now he's gonna have the benefits of all this stuff that people have worked for for decades and decades and that's that's really telling some of these doctors, what they've done, it's like, wow, man, I, I just want to commend them for sticking through the 70s, 80s, 90s, where people were just, hey, you're trash, your stuff's fake, and now they're finally getting the credit that they deserve after all these decades of work that they've put in. It's, it's pretty good to see, it's amazing. It is, it is, and it's a it's a hard field to be in because those guys always get scared to push the envelope sometimes, you know, because their funding will get taken away, their licenses will get taken away, and where they learn all these things are from the shamans, the healers in the, in the Amazon, um, where I'm from, we have the, the, the Zulus and the Koza tribes. They're fantastic healers, and all they do is heal with plants. In the Amazon, there's 190,000 plants, mm -hmm. right? So ayahuasca is a combination of two. So I, I asked the shaman, I was like, hey, how do you guys, like, how, do you know, how did you know how to mix these two? And I asked the shaman in the Amazon, two different tribes. I asked two different tribes in Aust the Aborigines in Australia, and, then, and they all tell me the same thing, and it blew my mind. Like, and they don't know each other. I was like, how do you guys know this? And they go... The people from the stars showed us. That's crazy. So like they, they know that, that, that there's a plant for everything on this planet. We just haven't discovered most of them yet. A lot of the medicine people in, in Amazon, they know. But obviously the Western doctors, they're not going to listen to a tribal guy who lives in a hut. 
And, and that, that's fascinating. Who doesn't have a degree posted on his right. wall. Exactly, right. exactly. But he's been healing people his whole life. His whole life. And, yeah. and, and that's physically, mentally, and spiritually. Like ayahuasca is ma- mainly spirit, right? Uh, DMT. Um, and, and people don't realize that in the Western world, it's like, no, it's a drug. Now it's a class A, like you said. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's fascinating. But uh, similar story to, to what you're talking about. Uh, I was in Thailand a few years ago with a few of my friends. And we were doing one of those three-day treks out in the, you know, in the hills. On the way down, we were stepping over some stones over a pond, and I felt a pop. And I popped my Achilles. I didn't, I didn't completely rupture it, but there was a tear. And the next morning, it was, I mean, I'm sure you know what this is like. Your foot is completely swollen. I couldn't walk. At the bottom of the hotel, uh, in the lobby, there was this old lady, old Thai lady. I was like, oh, honey, no good, no good. Mama, fix. And my friends are like, dude, don't let her touch your foot. She goes, $5, I fix for you. I'm like, you know what? Let me just see what she does. I could barely walk. She gets a bag out, like, like, a, like a sack. And it had like a wooden little mallet, and it looked like a wedge. And I said, no, 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 no. You're not going to hammer my, this wedge. You'll, mama, fix, mama, fix. I said, oh, my gosh. My friends, just let her do it. Just let her see what she does. And I don't know what the hell this lady did. But she made it, so I was able to actually walk. Obviously, I wasn't healed. But I'm like, what did you do? Just with a wooden mallet and a wedge, she was hitting parts around my foot. I don't know what she did. I never saw her again. It's amazing. It's so it's like the the mallet thing is like a co- from my understanding, it's like a combination of reiki and and acupuncture, because mm-hmm. you have these meridian points on your body, but you don't really have to touch them. You can with sound healing now, we can use the the the, the sound forks like the ping. Yeah. And you can just go close to the guy and you can actually feel it and it's it's amazing so your, your body has a toroidal field right that spans six feet apart that's another one where the conspiracy theory comes from six feet apart <laughs> anyway has, a, has a, a, a field six feet apart and everything gets stored in this field people think everything is stored in your body it's not it's stored in this field because everything is electromagnetic everything on this planet is vibration right so i just did a sound healing course mm-hmm. uh, level two reiki master two um just just it was research for the book so i just want to learn about energy fields and it's fascinating and it's it's dangerous yeah. if you know how these things work because people's feelings and emotions are stored over here so once you learn how to read energies it, it's actually annoying because last night my girlfriend came home and she projected all these things and i was like yo like i'm downloading these things like stop that please and she goes what am i thinking and i told her exactly what she's thinking she's like what um uh, past life traumas or even current life current life like breakups and stuff are stored over here so that's why the sound healers will work with those forks they'll they'll kind of like it's like an, a magnetic field and you can feel it like i did this with my friend the other day bing and it's like a magnet and sometimes it'll go because like disharmonious is that the word <laughs> uh, out of alignment out of alignment right. exactly uh, unharmonic or whatever and and you can feel it sometimes it feels like a magnet sometimes it's a sound sometimes you'll see colors it's it's incredible and then that mallet stuff i gotta look into that but it, it's it definitely works people think it's all hocus pocus but there's yeah, something to it there's definitely something called like myofascial release which i'm sure you're you're keen on if you know recovery and you know you know that stuff you can utilize uh ways to release muscle tension to allow yourself to have more flexibility in your body allow you to really just move better right it's it's really incredible have you heard of something called functional patterns is that like rolfing i don't know what rolfing is okay so rolfing is a form of myofascial release mm-hmm. um the coolest biohacking thing i've ever done was a, a form of myofascial contouring so this doctor invented it and he's going around the world teaching people what it is so what it is if you know what what the rolfing is or myofascial release my fascia release is painful. You've had it done, right, Feb? Yeah. Well, it's it's, it's so. It's what do you probably the worst 
pain I felt in my life. Okay, so the contouring is even more painful than that. Mm. And it, it takes, it's like an hour a day for 10 days and the two guys work on your body and they actually stretch your fascia. So between your skin and your muscle, there's a fascia. You've seen that white sheath, right? Mm -hmm. So we've now recently discovered that that's your fourth brain in your body. The, the myofascia connects every single cell in the body. So does the central nervous system, but the, the, the myofascia is seven times faster than the, the central nervous system. Mm -hmm. That's that's incredible. Incredible. Because think about it. Like so, basically, your central nervous is the dial-up modem, and uh, the fascia is the fiber optics. So you can heal your whole body, and everything gets stored in there. And we, we're finding out all these things now. I'm gonna have this doctor actually write a chapter in the book. He, um, my, the race car driver friend I told you about, he's investing in this company. He's spending all his time and money in this because there's definitely something to this. It's still a little bit new, but the, the discoveries we're making, we made in the last six months, it's, 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 is more than we've made in the last 50 years. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I don't think people realize how much scar tissue affects everything you do, your mobility, how you feel, your energy. It's insane because. Uh, so I have a guy who works on me and he does a lot myofascial release, sports therapy, etc. And the first time I came to walk, uh, sorry, the first time I came to see him, he saw me walking up. He, was, he looked like uh, like a Captain Ahab walking. He goes, do you have a peg leg? Making fun of me. So what do you mean? He goes, man, you're all jacked up. And they know, right? they can tell just by looking at you. So it's about structural alignment. Yeah. Has doing Reiki helped you become more in tune with your own body? It definitely has. I mean, I always knew something, there was something to that energy field. I mean, it's still new to me. I'm still kind of like practicing and stuff like that. But seeing the results other people have had and, and the teacher worked on me and I was like, that that's amazing. And what's cool about Reiki is you don't, you can do hands on, hands off. I can do it over the phone as long as I have that person's permission because we're all connected to some kind of grid. Like if you guys know what the Akashic Records is, right? I don't. The what? The Akashic Records. No, yeah. and Educate us, please. Think of the earth as like this, right? Um, there's nodes all around the, the, the earth, and that's why the, the ancients built the pyramids. They built it on those energy nodes. Everything's connected. Every single thought you've ever had from the beginning of time is in that field. That's why when sometimes when someone gets an idea on this side of the planet and then some, someone else invents it, they're like, oh, that was my idea. No, as soon as you have an idea, you better jump on that because it goes into the Akashic Records in, in the field. Um, so everything is there, like, and so people that can that are really good at meditating, they can go in this field and just download stuff. And so, it's called. I think the, the doctor who invented it, it's called the Hundred Monkey Project. If you guys are interested in, it. and what they did was they taught monkeys certain things on an island, and all of a sudden the monkeys on the other islands certainly just figured it out, and then all the monkeys around the world started knowing it. So it's the same with animals, plants, and humans. We're all connected to this grid. So, yeah, I've never heard of uh, the Akashic Records before. That's fucking phenomenal. Uh, what else does that affect? Does it affect, like, your, your, your biology? Does it affect your internal, does it affect your DNA? Like, what, what does it do? Everything, everything. Um, people don't realize this now with Dr. Joe Dispenza's new EKG machines. He can prove this scientifically that mm -hmm. thoughts create matter. Like, we know that everything is vibration, right? Everything. Um, an atom is made out of, out of 99.99999% empty space. So that means it's energy, it's frequency. So everything is frequency. I think if you put all the matter on planet Earth together, it, it comes to like one, like a sugar cube. That's all the matter. So this is all energy. And we know that energy can create matter. So you can change stuff with your thoughts, with your mind. And this is the stuff that they, whoever they is, the cabal, the Illuminati, whoever you want to call it, they don't want you to know this stuff because they don't want you to know how powerful you are. Tell you a quick little story. Um, a guy, a scientist who invented this stuff, he took a piece of DNA 
And uh, so DNA is like a, like a hard drive. Like we're just walking hard drives. And he downloaded his ebook onto this hard drive. And he downloaded from, from the piece of DNA onto multiple computers. So we went to go study this further, right? So how does this work? You, you, you think about this. So it's like a hard drive, right? So you can store, I think he took a nail like that much and it's, it could store, I think it was like 900 million gigabytes. So he worked out how much the whole body could potentially store. And it came to like 14.5 billion years of info. How old is the universe? 14.5 billion years. So when hippies and these spiritualists and people say, just search inside you, all the answers are inside you. It's literally printed on your DNA from the beginning of time. It's all in there. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because, uh, so let's talk about like CDs and the amount of data that they can store compared to thumb drives. And now we have, uh, you know, we can print on steel and things like that. So they're finding out that you can print information inside DNA and it holds it much longer than I think a CD's lifespan is like five years. Mm -hmm. A thumb drive is like 11 years. A DNA, as long as you keep it preserved and, and you know, and cold and frozen, it can live millions of years is what they're finding out. So you can print, as you said, all this. And, and it's funny you mentioned that because you mentioned that from not a science, like not the organized science, yeah. but organized science starting to figure out holy shit, we can print on DNA. Mm -hmm. So you can literally have information inside of you. So now they're trying to figure out, well, if you can print information inside you, how do we figure out what's already inside us? How do we read it? That's, that's the thing. We don't know how to tap into that. And uh, that's where the Akashic records come in. That's where meditation come in because you cannot, you cannot do that in the physical. That's the thing with our science. They, they, they think they work in a lab. They, they want to do everything physical. Sometimes you have to go metaphysical and, and get out there. And you know, the, the, the greats, Tesla says that all the time. He says, once science start studying the metaphysical, they will make more progress in one year than the last hundred years. He says that. I think the, the issue is like, the, it's hard to look at tangibles, right? When it comes down to like looking at the metaphysical and looking at uh, how energy interacts with other energy, but I mean, we all know it. We all know it's there. We all feel it. Right. If someone so doesn't feel it, like they're full of shit, you know, <laughs> and they probably have blockages that they then need to, you know, work on. The thing is, like, a lot of people just need that self-work. They need that ability to heal themselves. Heal them fucking cells. Yeah, you know, talking about organized science versus like holistic science. Sci I love science. It's like probably my favorite thing to, to study. And I do feel for scientists because I know a lot of them growing up, they're very inquisitive. So they ask these questions that are unsolvable at the time. This is why they become scientists. But then you let's say you have an idea of how to self-heal yourself. Then you become a scientist and you work in a lab. They dictate what you study. Right. You can't do what you want. Right. And in order to get grants and money, you have to submit a hundred page research paper and you're competing with all these other people. So if you say, hey, you know what? I think there's some metaphysical stuff here. You're going to get zero money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's it's almost like they're forced into being these mainstream scientists because they have to earn government grants. So I think things like, um, I know Bill Gates, you know, a lot of people don't like him. They do like him, but he gives money to science. Uh, other people who are humanitarians are like, hey, you know what? You have a great idea. Here's money. No holds barred. Go study. And I think that science grants need to be increased a lot. And they can't have strings attached to them right. to let the science figure out what the hell they want to figure out. Yeah, and that, that brings me something because I know you like futurism a lot, and you know, as do I. And because of all those medical, physical, uh, metaphysical things happening and advances, when we're plugged directly into the Internet, 
how do you think because it's, it's going to happen mm-hmm. in the next few five ten years Neuralink right Neuralink is one of them yeah so basically if people don't know they attach an electrode inside your brain which connects you well, which is going to stimulate your neurons and hopefully eventually hold memories and things like that and connect you to the internet so you can download if you want to be a surgeon you can download a surgeon packet just like you download an app on your phone it's, it's kind of like packet. To, to your point it's kind of like exactly what they were doing in the matrix very simple I agree so what do you think, because there's going to be a battle between the metaphysical people and the people who want to stay just completely normal and then and the people who want to plug into the system. So I think that's going to be a huge, I mean, it's going to be a subsect of people who are going to fight each other and it's going to be almost like the Democrats and Republicans. Oh, yeah. like, no, I do it all naturally. No, I do it all with technology. I'm in that process right now fighting with my business partners because they all want to go that way and I'm like, no, I want to be, I want to be natural. Uh, and that's tough. Like, it's going to happen. It's inevitable. Here's the thing, though. If we ever get, like, a pole shift or a solar flare, it'll wipe out all technology and, and all AI on this planet. So then what happens to your brain? You'll, you'll be gone. And, you know, like, you guys have all heard this. You know, recently we're supposed to shift into 4D or 5D. I don't know if you guys know how that works. Um, if, if that happens, then all AI will be destroyed. So, like, make a choice for yourself. And it's going to happen. Within, this, this should be a solar flare within the next 20 years. And then pretty much all our technology will be wiped out. If you, if you think about the, how the planetary systems work, do you guys know what the precession of the equinox is? No. So, the, no. The Earth, you know how the Earth spins around the sun and it also rotates around its own axis. Mm-hmm. But you know, like, you know those spinning tops? Once it loses momentum, it kind of has a wobble. So the Earth also has a wobble. We can measure it by one degree every 72 years. So it takes a, say we just got out of like the, I think the Pisces uh, equinox, right? So it takes 2,160 years to complete one cycle. So if you work out the whole cycle, it's I think just under 26,000 years. So for 13,000 years, we're asleep. And then uh, for 13,000 years, we're awake. And that's why everyone's waking up right now because we're in that first process of waking up. Yeah, that's that's my one big thing with people who believe in astrology. And I, if you follow me on social media, I, I make fun of it a lot. Um, but that's one of the main reasons why it's like, okay, I'm a Pisces. Okay, but when astrology was made, you weren't a Pisces because of that exact reason. The Earth has a wobble, so every 2,000 years, your your Pisces is going to be uh, whatever other sign it should be in the sky because it moves. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. That's why the, the, the Chinese people have like a different kind of system. But if you do combine those two, you get some really accurate readings. And if you want to go really deep, look into numerology. Uh, and that's, that's incredible. And I, I, there definitely is something to say about alignment, about the metaphysical, about uh, personal alignment, energetic forces, healing. You know, I, I definitely believe that there is something there. And, you know, even doing Reiki and utilizing chakras and looking at energetic fields and, and sacred geometry and then also then how that applies from uh, Eastern medicine or Eastern the, the, the Eastern state of mind to the Western state of mind, how they are synergetically intertwined. It's, it's just one is one is the way to balance or one is the way to, to, to that, that you feel the other one is a way to like show right and like one proves the other one. So I think we will get to that point where we do find a way to, to, to really, sync you know eastern and western fully well what i think it's funny is there's so much we, we don't know shit to be honest about yeah. i mean think about it we're these little ants on this rock that's spinning around a ball of gas <laughs> and then somewhere in pretty much every galaxy there's a massive black hole which we don't even know what the hell it does what happens we can theorize what happens when you go in is it a multiverse like 
what is dark energy? Why are we here? There's just so much shit. And I think that it's good. So that formal science and then metaphysical science and holistic, it's everyone's trying to figure out what's the best way to move forward. That's a, that's a problem too with the Western world, because like you said, like science is separate to the, the physics department, separate to religion, separate to math. If you look at the ancient Egyptians and the ancient Greeks, they combine all those together, like math and philosophy, physics, uh, the metaphysical, all that stuff was combined. The same, they, they call it a polymath when someone is, um, when someone is, is, is skilled in all those uh, areas, right? So now in the modern age that we live, to get a PhD, you, you, you can't get a PhD in like seven, eight different things. There are some people, but you have to study that one thing, right? And that's a problem. That's why AI can come in and take over because you can, you're just, the more polymaths we have, the less chance of that. Yeah. We had so many theologians, right? Like thinking and, and making discovery, like with Aristotle and Socrates, they were all created from one system where they needed to be educated on all these different subjects. Right. Polymaths. And, but even a crazier subject is like, how does that person know what they know? And are we allowing for new discovery based on that? Yeah, them? that's called the Dunning-Kruger effect, mm -hmm. where the less you know, the more sure you think you are about that subject. Do you, do you know that we know more about space than we know about the, our own ocean? Ocean, I saw that. I was like, we know like 100% about the moon, but like we know like, I don't know, like 35% less, like 25% about the ocean floor, which is insane. It, like, but that, there must, there, there's something there. Mm -hmm. I know that sounds crazy, right? But there's, there's something there that we cannot explain. Obviously, I understand atmospheric pressure and I understand gravitational pull and how the mantle is this really crazy force, but... If we can shoot a fucking rocket into space, land it somewhere else, we there 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 is a way to make like a fully uncollapsible submarine to right. do some research. The problem is the pressure, man. I mean, you you're dealing with insane pressure and a safety that goes into building those deep sea submarines. I mean, the Russians just had one explode or not explode, but it had implode, it, right? like, implode, and about sixteen of them died. And they theorized, I don't know if you've heard about this, it's pretty crazy, that they were trying to cut the internet cables at the bottom of the ocean. They were doing a, like a drill in case anything happens. You know, they can cut the internet to parts of you know America, and they went too deep. It wasn't made right, and 16 sailors died. That's crazy. That's why Elon Musk is trying to put the 5G satellites in the air. Like people are like scared of 5G right now. Two years from now, even if you're in the middle of the ocean, you're gonna get it because it's all satellites. Like, it's, people are freaking out. They they're burning these 5G towers. Have you seen what the new 5G towers look like? It just looks like it looks like no. The, the new ones look like a camera. It's a bowl like this. Look at look at downtown oh, LA. All these, shit. all these cameras that you think that's are downtown. That that's a 5G. Everyone everyone thinks it's these massive fucking. Yeah, and and you know what? Something that always gets me is we have more information available to uh, available to us at any time in human history. Yet people choose to be ignorant about things. My cat videos are far more important than me learning about fucking physics, dude. But you know, sometimes I think <laughs> some people. I'm glad that they live in ignorance because like there's the world is a scary place. We're changing. We're probably the last normal v humans that are ever going to be, you know, we're never going to be the same again. Emotion, laughter. Until the, until the earth gets reset because it's been reset billions of times. Yeah. Over. And so some people, they're so happy in their little world. I see them. They're just like, they love their cup of coffee in the morning. It's the best thing in the world. I wish sometimes I could be like that, but I can't. Don't you fucking take that away from me. Totally. I, but I think that's what the planet earth is. Like this earth is a school. To, to learn all these things, you know, uh, repay your karmic debts to whatever the new, the next life is, if you believe in heaven and hell or that, you know, like you, that you get to 
my understanding from this is if you understand how the chakras work, right? If you, anybody who understands music, if you look at the, the piano keys, the, it starts at C, right? The seven white keys and then the five black keys. The, those are, the seven white keys are the chakras. Those are exactly the same frequencies, the same colors, and then every, every single cell takes the same route. Like, so when you, when you get born, you're born with the first chakra, the, the, the red one, right? Which is all survival. You try, you're a baby, you're just trying to survive, like trying to like, figure shit out, like, you know, like trying to figure out. Uh, then the next one is um, orange, which is like language, and like you're trying to like learn how to speak, how to draw, how to like figure shit out in your mind. And then uh, everything takes that step, by the way, like uh, the planets, cells, everything and i'll leave you guys with that and i'll tell you some more about that next time <laughs> yeah so uh one thing i love about music is again it's just vibrations in different frequencies and then people are like why do we love music so much and that's one thing so i love classical music and death metal that's it there's nothing in between that's, that's fine i hate everything else yes. and the reason i love classical two extremes two, extremes. two yeah. extremes but the level of musicality that like let's say a drummer in a death metal band has to have it's so intense. It's so. It's almost like math. You're calculating what to do, and you're trying to make it as hard as possible while still making it sound, uh, you know, musical. I guess you can say I have a different taste. But and then people blow my mind. Like Beethoven and Mozart and you know Bach, they made the most beautiful music in history. We can't top that. Do you know why? We finally discovered why. So they they wrote music on the Fibonacci sequence. Mm which many people don't realize. So uh, once I learned about the sequence, I actually watched my friend write a song. And I was like, I was like, wait a minute, I know that sequence from somewhere. And I asked him, I was like, hey, do you know what the Fibonacci code is? He goes, no. So somehow people that are musically inclined, they just know, they just somehow downloaded that from the universe. And that's the Akashic Records. As soon as someone knows or invents something, it's there, it's there. So like all the inventions ever, like the iPhone was invented probably a million years ago. You know, the earth has been reset. We're finding all the stuff about the ancient civilizations now. That's another topic I can go on for hours, but it's fascinating. But yeah, and it's, it's very true that information is lost. Mm -hmm. Like in the Middle Ages, a perfect example, mm -hmm. right? A bunch of people died. We lost information. Even going back to uh, NASA in the 60s when we launched men to the moon, they're like, why is it so hard to go back to the moon if we did it in, 19, you know, in, in 1968, 1969? It's because all that information was lost. Those people died. So now we're trying to figure out how the hell did they do that with the technology that they did? And that goes back to the ancient. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. How the hell do they do that with the, with the technology that they have? So this is a conversation that we have again and again whenever there's information lost. And we're trying to figure out, well, but what they had was so, was so rudimentary. How did they make that happen? And that was our interview with PJ Black. We went over a lot of different subjects. And as always, we encourage you to do your own research on all these subjects and believe what you want and what makes your life fuller. If you'd like to learn more about them, go to PJ450 on Instagram. And if you'd like to learn more about us at Let's Grow Podcast, go to our website, letsgrowpodcast.com, where we have tons of marketing information to teach you how to make money from a computer anywhere in the world. On our next episode, we're going to talk about Facebook adding a Supreme Court-type organization of people from around the world to handle speech issues that arise on its platform. We're going to talk about Elon Musk in the Elon Hour and talk about what he's been up to, who he's going to war with, and what he has SpaceX focused on right now as a company. And we're going to have on Goalie, who has a custom bracelet jewelry design business, who makes items for big movies such as Wonder Woman and for lots of celebrities, who started her business with only $1,000. And we're going to talk about the pressing issue of the day, the Black Lives Movement protest, how it's evolved and how it's affecting everyone. So until next time, let's fucking grow.